In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does tell us that He loves us over and over again, and loves to hear it back from us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this whole sermon series, what we've been doing, if you're new with us today, uh, what we've been doing is we've been taking the Psalms and we've been looking at their content. We've been looking at their emotional content. We've been looking at their, their content just in terms of what's actually in the Psalm. We've been taking a look at, at how it feels to say those Psalms, how it feels to say things like ascribe to the Lord glory. And then we've been trying to find something that might sort of match that in our culture and in the songs that we sing culturally. And this has turned out to be a little bit more difficult than what I thought when I put the sermon series together, uh, just finding different songs, because obviously every time that we're trying to match up a pop song with the Psalms, you come up a little bit, well, short. But also, I think that there's something to that. I think that there's something to the fact that when we approach these psalms, that we realize that there is something there that is just beyond translation. That that's the reason that we have scripture still in front of us, and that we're just not reading Katy Perry lyrics to one another all of the time, as fun as that might be. And there's something to this sense that the Psalms in, encapsulate something so rich and so full that we can try over and over and over again to find something in our experience that speaks to what we find spiritually in that Psalm and that we find ourselves continually coming up short is actually not a bad thing, but actually a very, very good thing. That you know that you can approach these psalms next year when the Billboard Top 100 is completely different. And that you can find different songs that are going to say some of the same things that we find here in Psalm 96. And yet at the same time, never be as full as what we find in the psalm. And so that said, we're going to do exactly that, not just with billboard chart toppers for this week or for last week or even for this year, but we're going to take a look at this psalm, this Psalm 96 that is a psalm of high praise. And honestly, it's one of those psalms that when I crack open the psalms, a lot of times how I feel about the psalms is that, well, they just are saying kind of the same thing over and over and over again. And it is all of this high praise. And it's actually difficult for me a lot of times to get into those psalms. Because there, there's not a whole lot of, of real deep content right up front, it's not like when Jesus takes that coin from the Herodians and the, the disciples of the Pharisees and says, hey, take a look at the inscription. Whose coin is this? Well, this is Caesar's coin. Great. Take a look at yourselves. Whose self is that? Oh, that's God's. But there is something to this psalm, and I think that there's something to this psalm that is so rich and so full that it almost kind of fits into its own narrative, into its own story. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through a little bit of that narrative, a little bit of that story, starting off with the help of some young men who are uh, known by t- together corporately by the name One Direction. Everybody fawn. Oh. One Direction, um, they, they write this song, and, and while I'm probably not ever going to tell you to listen to another One Direction song ever again in my life, <laughs> this song this, this song actually gets across something I, I think that is integral for us to understand at the very beginning of all of this, and, and that is how God, well, God really doesn't need our praise, We get together here, we get together on a Sunday morning, and we sing these psalms of praise. And yet, God doesn't need that. Because if God were that needy, if God was kind of like that girlfriend that you used to have, or that boyfriend that you used to have, who kept on saying, tell me how pretty I am. If that were God, well, he actually wouldn't be good enough to be God. God is this self-contained unit of praise, actually. That's what we understand from the Trinity, that that this one God who is also three is this self-contained unit of praise that the Son gives praise to the Father and that that happens through the Holy Spirit and that it just keeps on going around and that they don't need us to give praise. God doesn't need us to give praise. And I don't know if you've ever met somebody like that, somebody who um, uh, just approaches the world with maybe sort of a humility or, or maybe even a naivete about um, uh, how they make other people feel or how they make other people react in, in a good way. But the boys from One Direction, obviously, or at least the people who write their songs, have met somebody like that. And they sing this song, What Makes You Beautiful. Baby, you light up my world like nobody else. The way that you flip your hair gets me overwhelmed. But when you smile at the ground, it ain't hard to tell. You don't know. Oh, oh. You don't know. It's in there. You don't know. You're beautiful. If only you saw what I can see, you'll understand why I want you so desperately. Right now, I'm looking at you and can't believe you don't know. Oh, oh, you don't know you're beautiful. That's what makes you beautiful. And that's what makes our God so beautiful. I I think he does know that he's beautiful. I think he does know that he's perfect. But he doesn't need to hear that from us constantly. In fact, he's uh, very patient with us not saying that over and over again like we should. I mean, he sent his only son to this world to die on a cross so that our sins might be forgiven. We should live our entire lives in this state of praise and thanksgiving. And yet, at the same time, even in our liturgy that we rehearse week after week after week, there are these reminders that we should be doing this praising and we should be doing this thanksgiving all of the time. And the reason that we need those reminders is because, well, we don't do it. Because we we don't say it. 
because oftentimes our thanksgiving is for ourselves and our praise is for our own achievements. And God gets kind of left out in the corner. But God, because he's God, because he is that self-contained unit of praise, says, that's fine. Eventually, you'll see. You'll see that you are not worthy of being praised. You'll see those sins that my son had to die for. And you will see that I am. But he's incredibly patient with us. Incredibly patient with us, even in our own vanity. Because that's oftentimes how we approach the world, is with this sense of vanity about ourselves, that we are so great that other people should love us. I mean, shouldn't they? Isn't that how oftentimes we approach the world, that there is something about us that, well, somebody out there someplace, maybe not everybody, but somebody out there, well, they, they should love us. There has to be just that one. Maybe it's not one of the boys from One Direction, but, but there has to be just that one person, because after all, I am so good, if only people knew. Well, Lady Gaga sings another song about vanity, and it's called exactly that. And uh, Lady Gaga um, uh, says, touch me, touch me, baby, but don't mess up my hair. Love me, love me crazy, but don't get too attached for this brief affair. Vanity. Pictures in magazines, movie screens, vanity. There's a camera, so many beauty queens. Vanity, it's so good to be fabulous and glamorous. We love ourselves and no one else. Vanity. Vava vanity. Vanity. And so often that's the way that we approach life is with this sort of sense of of the vein of this sense that well we should have this glory ascribed to us as the psalm says i was talking with some people this week and i i thought you know we were talking about how strange it is that word ascribe and what that word means that word ascribe means that you are actually speaking this upon someone. And how the word ascribed isn't describe. Describe is that you see that in someone and you say, this is what that person is like. And so I'm looking at Matt and I'm seeing that Matt is wearing a black shirt. And I am describing to you what Matt is wearing. That's not what's happening here. Ascribing things would be like looking at Matt and saying, tomorrow Matt is going to wear a garnet-colored shirt. And it is going to look spectacular on him. That is what ascribing 
is like. And so the fact that we are ascribing these things like glory to God seems very strange to me and was actually kind of a a big moment of, of revelation for me as I was having this discussion with people that maybe the reason that we are ascribing to God glory that is due his name is that we actually cannot describe that right now. That we can't see his full glory right now. That that is something that is being left for us until the resurrection, until his son comes again and ushers in the greatness of being able to live in the city of God. And so what we're left with right now is just ascribing with our imagination how beautiful and how glorious that day to come might actually be. Ascribe the glory to God due to his name, something so far beyond what we could describe today. And God has promised that He loves to hear our descriptions of Him. That He loves to hear our ascriptions of Him. That He promises to hear those things. And to hear those things in a way that He actually enjoys them Not that he needs them, but that they are things of beauty to him. Elton John wrote a song called Your Song, and um, it goes like this. It doesn't actually say I love you in it, but it definitely gets that across. And Elton John has this kind of thing that he can't really get out of his mouth. And so what he's doing is he's writing this song about the person whom he loves. And you can tell everyone, this is your song. It may be quite simple, but now that it's done, I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I put down in words how wonderful life is when you're in the world. I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I put down in words how wonderful life is when you're in the world. And what if our psalms, what if our songs of praise, what if that is what we meant behind all of the psalms that we have encountered over this series? What if that's what we meant behind all of the the rest of the songs that we're singing today? That we're looking up at God the Father and saying, I hope you don't mind that I put out there in words, sung or spoken or even just thought. I hope you don't mind that I put down in words how wonderful life is when you're in my world. A lot of you know that just this past weekend, um, I was able to witness my very first daughter being born um, right there in front of me. And 
um, that I, I left her and Liz back at the hospital to come and be with you today. And as I was thinking about that this week and then writing this sermon, I thought, you know, that, that is actually such a great picture of this, what I'm trying to get across to you. That it's such a great picture of who God is. And everybody said, you know, when, when you have your first baby, they, like all of the sermon illustrations are going to be about her, so get ready. <laughs> but, but I think that that's exactly what, what's happening here in our psalm and exactly what's going on with, with God. God doesn't need to hear, I love you. I, I don't need to hear... Little baby cricket bell winters say, I love you. She's incapable of that right now, actually. In fact, she's so incapable that she is most likely incapable of that thought. She doesn't have the linguistic processing right now to say, I love you, even inside of her head. She has the processing that is able to allow her to spit up and cry. So I'm not looking for her to say, I love you anytime soon. And I'm just going to love her. But that moment, that first time and probably every time afterwards, that she does say, I love you. It's going to be one of the best moments of my life. It's how God looks at your praise. Amen.